sunlight, like an old projector, flickers through the trees. Scrub bush. Red dust. I could hear them in the distance. They had come, long ago, across the Arafura. Brave new workers to feed and clothe, to tame the wild never-never. Never say never, but the colonies failed. Wanderers now, despised, hunted, the gypsies of the north. whirlwind blows through the camp. It rattles the tents on corrugated sheets. Breakfast. The half-forgotten smell of blood as wet livers kiss the pan. The men rise. Already, they are talking of hunting. To me, it's hunters to seek, find, pursue, lie in wait, or kill the definition. And um, hunting's not just about killing and, and leaving. Hunting's more about getting to know the animal. You, you, you have a great respect for them and a love for, for the animal, though you might have killed it. You take it home and um, you think kindly of it. It's not just a, a murder taking place. Killing an animal is, I always relate to it for a few seconds or a few minutes in a, in, in a, in a slight sad way, because you actually have taken something. To take the life of anything is, is, is the ultimate thing to do. You, you, you know, you, you've taken the life, you have to realize that life is the most precious thing anybody or anything has. And, and then you have to take a little bit of time off and sit and relate on what had happened and, and, and have respect for the dead beast. Hang on, Len, I'll give you a hand with that. It's, uh, it's early morning here at the camp and we're just packing up get ready to go on the day's hunt. We're, we're hunting buffalo. Right. We take the dirt road out of camp, past termite mounds and unloved roads. I ride up front with our barefoot tracker Pete. So, um, uh, 
How long have you been doing this then? Twelve years here yeah. in the territory. Um, I was brought up hunting. You know, I'm old man. Ever since I was four years old, I was shooting rabbits and twenty twos and that sort of thing yeah. over in New Zealand. And uh, every day after school, every weekend, just solid hunting. And when I was about ten, I started. My dad was a taxidermist, yeah. and I, uh, I used to go out and help him skin. When I was about thirteen, started high school. I started doing taxidermy with him. Yeah. And. Uh, I did three years of solid taxidermy with them after school and on the weekends and that sort of thing. And then I left school pretty young. And then when I was 15, I came straight over here. Pretty much run this whole place for the last seven years. Doing four months solid now. Yeah. Every year, so it's pretty good. And does it does it get lonely out here then? No, not really. Every week you're getting another set of clients. I do miss, you know, going out and layering up with the lads sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, or just having companionship at my own age, but yeah, I got over that about six years ago, you know. Sort of. <laughs> and have you ever been charged? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shit, yeah. yeah. Is, is, is that scary? or? It is always intimidating. Every time you've got a buffalo coming at you, it's like an enemy driving a car at you, you know. That's like the size of it, you know. It's this huge big thing thundering through. And if there's a tree in the way, it just knocks the tree out of the way. The first couple of times you see it, it seems like lightning. That ball goes from 50 yards to five yards in a matter of seconds. You know, it's like one, two, three, and he's right there. You know, it was like, oh no, charging, you know, run away sort of thing. But turning your back on a charging animal is the worst thing you could possibly do. The best thing you can do is plant your feet, train the gun on them, and just keep your eyes locked on the animal. And then, if it's serious enough, you know, give it a shot in the chest. If it's getting a little closer, just rip a shot down the side and I'll knock these wheels out from underneath them. Because I, I don't like to shoot my clients animals, I don't even like to fire them a gun, you know. Just push this out to the bloody end of the logs before you jump in. Hold on. The boat glides along the waterway. There are waterfowl here, crying and singing. Images on the mind. A wallaby considers us from the shoreline. The men grow excited and take photos. My first rule, Len triumphs. But they won't kill it. They're after bigger game. Actually following us. You stop now, if you take off again you'll see they'll follow us. Oh, there were these birds there.
But we've just crossed the Gangan and we're uh, getting into the second vehicle now and we're going to try and see if we can find some buffalo. We drive on, the bush closing in around us. Gum trees give way to ferns and palms. The ruin of an abandoned truck, now beaten by rust. What do these creatures look like? When you, when you just look at animals, it's one thing. When you hunt, you have to look for spoor, watch the wind, watch the other creatures, birds. They all indicate to you what is actually happening around you. They're all connected. If you're in the African bush and an oxpecker flies out, you're right near a buffalo herd because they feed on the buffalo. So when you hear an oxpecker, you know you're near a buffalo. So all these things are connected. You get to know more and more about this person, the animal that you're hunting. If you're a tourist and you have no... Um, Hunting background, if you drove past an impala herd, you'd see buck. If you're a hunter and you're going to hunt an impala, you'd, you'd actually know which is the right ram to shoot. That That's a breeding herd, that's a bachelor herd, that's a middle-aged male, that's a real old male, and that's a rejected from the herd male. And then you would go out of your way to shoot the old animal that has no further breeding use. And and I think that's, that's a better way of doing it, to know each animal. You know? There's something else visible. Yeah. We see our first bull. Broad. Black. Leaving the guns in the truck, the men take only their cameras. Hunting images, stalking sound. He's too young to be a trophy. They want only the biggest horn. We watch him. Our eyes meet. Does he register me? As nice as a bull. Yeah, yeah. You just see the difference between a bull and a cow. But that's proper behaviour of it, you know. The whole, so, the whole mannerism, eh? Yeah. They're just not stupid, you know. They keep their eye on it and, you know, they move away. They don't just stand there like those young bulls. You no, know? They, they won't just go back to feeding and piss around while you. No, no, that acts very yeah, nice. So. He's circled and he's yeah. turned again. He's, he didn't run away yet. No. But he's like watching us all the time. Yeah. They need a smell you to run off, you know, because they're inquisitive mm. and they don't really have any predators. So they've got no real reason to be afraid. Yeah. So. Right, let's carry on. No, that's very lucky. I might as well ride up here with you, Jeff. Jeff, 
Pete's father, a New Zealander, is a quiet man, his face thin with a yardbrush hard stubble. He watches the bush pass by. He talks and jokes occasionally, his stories centered on his passion. But everybody hunts for different reasons. I mean, some people hunt because they want to get a trophy. They might love red stags and red deer and they, they want a, a beautiful big set of red stag antlers and that's their mission in life is to go out and look at lots of stags and pass up a lot of small ones and uh, then ultimately get a big one. For me, for example, the odd animal, a couple of animals I've got in my house, like I've got a little grey diker mounted as a shoulder mount. Every time I walk past, always, even now, a few years later, still just think of Nineveh and, and the Bushmen and the wonderful experience I had over there of uh, hunting and, and seeing a unique part of the world. And Yeah, it's, it's just nice, nice fond memories, really. For example, I drove a Land Rover when I was about 20. I drove a Land Rover from England down through Africa for a year with about seven or eight other young guys, you know. But I have very few memories of it now. I suppose it's so long ago, but every time I look at that little grey diker on, in my lounge, I have still have very strong memories of my time I spent in Namibia. So it gives me pleasure to surround myself with memories of things that I've actually, I, I, my house is full of things that I've actually experienced and, and that not just having just bought it, walked into a shop one day and bought a rug for the floor and a picture for the wall and a vase because it, it's the latest vase and, and filled my house with junk like that. I've actually got a house full of memories. At midday we rest. The Eskies' cool drinks a welcome treat. The men lounge in the shade of the truck. We talk of guns, hunting, and little else. Can you tell me about one of your most fondest memories of a hunt? What was the animal and why is it a good memory for the hunt? I can actually tell you of an animal I hunted. It was a big eland bull. It was... Uh, the biggest animal shot in that area for years. And it was also, although it was the best trophy I ever got, it was also the saddest animal I have. And you asked about it, the biggest moment. That probably is the moment that's the biggest to me because it made me really realise that to be a hunter, you have to really put a lot of energy into it and keep, try to be good at it, be a good shot, know where to shoot the animal so that the animal doesn't have any suffering must be an instantaneous kill. And that poor animal, I'd gone wrong a little bit and it had taken two or three shots. And it's one of my fondest memories because it, although it was extremely sad, it did a lot of good for me because in the years ahead, I made sure that I did it better and better and better so that there would be very little suffering, if any. It was a turning point in my hunting career. 
Yeah. It's not just to kill, it's to yeah. do it well and selectively and really be good at it, you know. These, the, the, the high-powered weapons we use can cover huge distances, hundreds of meters. And, and I've, I've, I've seen people say that uh, I missed the animal. I was too far, I missed the animal, missed the animal. Only to find a carcass the next day, dead up on a mountain, another one shot through the bum, another one shot in the stomach, they die five days later. So in the hands of a person like that, it's a terribly destructive thing. Do you see it as a kill or do you see it as murder? Is it, is it something else? It's a very difficult question to answer and we probably don't have that much time to really go into it in depth. I love the animals I hunt. I love the outdoors. I love the bird life. I spend more time looking at animals than I ever do of killing them. I love to have them around me. The, the sheer beauty and the respect, and people would say, well, you want to kill it so you can own it because of the beauty. Well, I really don't think that's the case at all. I, I hunt because of all the other... That, that's one tiny dimension of it. I hunt because of all the other aspects of the outdoors and the, the pursuit and the comradeship. But I, the, the, the killing thing... Um, I get no thrill out of it at all. I don't look at that animal on the ground and, and get a real buzz out of the fact that I've just killed something. Matter of fact, I, I just hope that I've killed it very quickly and cleanly and um, and just simply treat it as possibly a, a hunter might have treat, treated it years ago, a, a million years ago or 10,000 years ago as the, the thrill of having some nice meat to take home and appreciate. And I love cooking. That's the other aspect, of course. I love cooking game and I, I, I cook a fair percentage of the meals at home in the evening. That's, again, another sort of little offshoot of why I hunt too, is the fact that I enjoy the cooking aspect of it. And We've just come onto a huge dried out floodplain and it's just bare earth as far as the eye can see. Um, I don't know if you can hear this but it's the dust. Um, Pete has brought us here because this is where a lot of the, the killing happened a few weeks ago. Um, the killing, or I suppose I should say the culling. The government rangers were tasked with the job of dispatching uh, of 1,000 buffalo from this area. And so they came out with a helicopter and shot 1,000 buffalo, mothers and calves and young bulls. And this area is just littered with bodies. Um, and the bodies are all broken and bent and the maggots have come and gone and they're basically just 
black broken things covered in in white bird dung um, it's it's quite a disturbing image um, the other men are ahead of me now they're having a look at one of the bulls so maybe we'll go over and have a look The men pick through the remains. Len takes a number of horns, saying he will use them as door handles. We put them on the back of the truck and leave this place. I begin to question my reasons for being here. I'm a long way from my Sydney terrace. I pray to the gods of sound. I need material. I need great white hunters. I need blood. Pete has just spotted the bull in the truck, so we've gone on foot now and we're making our way towards it. We're in a cycad forest, so there isn't much cover. And the bull is about hang on, the bull is about seventy yards ahead of us. I have to be very quiet. Because he may hear us. He's got nice tips. He bulges in the base really good, so he's mature. But he's just anything the white he is. He's going for water, so we'll just watch him. A wind blows through the trees. The bull is old, black, turning grey his hips thin. He approaches the water gently and begins to drink. He could be a little bigger in the braces, but he's got the width and he's got reasonable tips on him, but He's a good, respectable boy. He's old. He's just, he could be a little bigger in his bases. He's probably around like seven pounds. So. We'll let him come into the water and have a good look at him bodily. Shit, wind's a bit bad. We'll see if we can cross this water here. Cut him on the side of it.
getting back and back drafts behind us. This one's not that good. You can just see his back coming down. The shark. The bull's agitated surprise to find death inside of him. He struggles to get out. His feet give way. He surfaces again and water jets out his nostrils. He doesn't bellow. He's dead. Yeah. And he can't hold his breath, eh? Good shot, mate. I, I actually didn't want to hit him that well. I wanted him to just jump out. <laughs> out the like water. I think he's too old. Man. What did that feel like? Feel like. Um, until he's dead, it's very exciting. Because mm. your nerves are really... But it's um, very satisfying. Good shot like I had it. He was standing after the bang, he was dead. He was, yeah. Okay. It's good when it happens fast. You shoot him in the right place and it's only seconds like that, you know. Yeah. But it'd take 20 seconds to get around here and it's all over. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, what a Yeah, oh, good, 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 good. Now, that's, um, I loaded again, I'm sure, hey? Yeah. That, that, you do, that you do without thinking. Right, the gun's safe. Now we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Cool, isn't it? <coughs> Clean shot. <laughs> Where'd you nail him, mate? Just through the yeah, height. Through the half. Nice. But it broke both his legs, I think. Right. Yeah. That's why he went right down, you know, he couldn't. Mm. Just yeah. <coughs> oh, he's gone around behind the stump here. Let him go. Okay. Huge, aren't they? It's all this sucker. Oh, I can't see the horns, too. Oh, he's been in a few scraps, this guy. You can see his whole body is just worn out. Yeah. Like me. Good job. Now it's a bloody beautiful ball, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Do you want to sit between the horns? And it'll put your son in the face just a little more. Len straddles the beast's neck, holding its horns. Prop his horns forward as far as he okay. can, so he stands upright. How appropriate, a water buffalo in the water. 
Yeah, hey. Hey, that's what's meant to be done. Let's get old fucking sort of relaxed. Oh, that's good. So what do you feel for, for the bull now? I feel, I feel sorry for him, but he was finished already. Hmm. And he'll live forever now in my house. He'll be seen by lots of people who come visit. So he becomes immortal. The photo shoot complete, we place a chain around the bull's head, pulling him onto dry land. The trophy quickly becomes a carcass. Is that just the one that hit off for a start, Peter? Uh, oh, well, yeah, may as well. Make it easy for rolling. Can you talk me through what you're doing there, please? What do you say? But, uh, yeah, so at the moment, just cutting our way through the, uh, the back of the neck and uh, the skin's about an inch thick, so it takes a bit of hacking. And this boy is uh, old and wrinkly, so that's, a, that's born there now. Ah, that uh, that's the vertebrae. Oh, right. Okay. That's the gap in the vertebrae. That's the vertebrae free. Now it's just another little. We've got the jugular, esophagus. Job best done with the mouth closed. Well, I guess we'll be having buffalo stew tonight. What's that? Beautiful. The head is removed. Let's go with it, Jeff. Get him out under the men. A small trail of blood follows the men as they carry it towards the truck, placing it in the centre of a spare tyre. Its jaw limply gaping, its black eyes open. I notice grains of brown sand sitting in one, like a sugary tear. He'd never seen a man before. We return and start to skin the bull. The hide is thick, with coarse hair. Underneath, a white membrane and some still twitching muscles. The men are happy. They review and critique the kill. You're allowed to eat your sandwich now, Lynn? No, I'm going to leave it now. I'm a bit off meat now. What is it when you're shooting an animal then? What's the, it's, what's the You must always look through the animal. The line the bullet's going to take, because you hit the one shoulder, you hit the heart, you break the other shoulder. You don't want to hit the shoulder and go into the stomach. Yep. No, you don't want to, you, you want to go right through all the vitals, always going through the vitals on animal. And when you're looking at an animal, you're not looking at the whole animal. If you're looking through the crosshairs, you're looking at a, a spot the size of your hand, you know, exactly where that bullet's going to hit. You don't look at the whole animal. The spot you're looking at is a two-inch square in the grand scheme of things, so that's all you're focusing on. It's like anything. 
you can take in a panoramic view with your eyes or you can focus on a leaf, you know. And that focusing on a leaf is exactly what you're doing through the scope to make sure that that bullet hits exactly where you're looking. And do you, do you think about the bullet or do you think about the... What, is, it a, is it a multitude of things then when you're... I think through the animal. I think I'm going to hit it there. Yeah. It's going to come out the other side there. And you're watching... I've hit three things that will kill it, you know. And you're watching the bullet as well. You're watching... When you put that crosshairs on it, you pull the trigger and you want to watch that bullet hit the animal. You know, if you're, if you're intent on watching that bullet strike the animal, you then you're not blinking or you're not flinching. You'll actually see it hit because it happens so fast, it happens before the recoil. You know, it's just, you'll actually catch it in that moment before that gun throws up in front of you. And watching the bullet strike the animal is one of the most important things. If you don't see the bullet strike, then a lot of the times you've blinked or you've jerked your head and you know that's that's bad practice. The bullet's there before you hear the gun. Yeah. For sure. That's how fast it happens. Alright, chuck that in the back, mate. <laughs> it takes three men to lift the skin onto the truck. The animal now reduced to the contents of our vehicle. Pete says the carcass. What's left of it will be gone within a week. The men have worked quick, and there is little blood. The generator hums. We return to camp, triumphant. The men begin to prepare the head and hide at Pete's workshop. The workshop, a lean-to, is littered with skulls, horns and pelts at various stages of drying. We must sharpen, shave and salt. So then, what are you, you're going you're gonna to make it into a chair, is it? Or? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll use the leather for a... Sort of a single seater catch. And I've got an old one that I've put, bought at an antique shop and recovered in Virginia leather. Yeah. Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> the pelt is rolled up and covered in salt. It will be left like this for a few days, then folded up and shipped off to a tannery. Jeff works to the side of us, cutting and tearing at the head. Can you tell me what you're doing there, Jeff? Oh, I'm just peeling the skin off the skull so that we can boil the skull up. Yeah. So it's just a matter of getting the head skin off the skull. And and then um, will the will the skin for the skull be used no, again? No, it's thrown away. It's just going to be what they call a European skull, which is just the beer skull on the wall. Oh, right. And yeah. is that the more popular style? or? Oh, for Europeans it is, but yeah. not for Americans. A lot of Americans would prefer to have a have the head mounted and have a bit of a, a games room where they have all their stuff. So yeah, no, it's quite two quite distinctly different ways of treating the trophies. Boy, these things are so thick in the skin, it's incredible. 
everything about them is just big. Does he lose his um, his character? Like I mean, I his his does. face. Yeah. It does alter the look of the animal. Yeah. Totally, really. Yep. So it does. Yeah. He's slowly becoming a a white figure. A white skull. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Even on the face, the skin is still about an inch thick on a water buffalo. It is just probably one of one animal, apart from probably an elephant and a rhino, that's probably got one of the thickest skins. A normal an animal skin on the skull like this would be probably only four mils thick. Yes. If you look at that, that would have to be at least 20 mils, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just unbelievably thick. The fire crackles and gently spits. The flame grows and the bath of water begins to boil, waiting for the head. Nice first, Zoe. About a pull, yeah. She's yeah. in. And it'll just boil flat out till tomorrow night. Mm. Hit it with a pressure washer. Mm -hmm. Blow all the meat so it comes out nice and white. And uh, yeah, then throw it straight in the hydrogen peroxide, yeah. and that goes soaks into the bone and takes all of the fat out of it and burns all the rest of the meat down to jello. Give it another hit with a pressure washer, and it takes every last scrap out. Put it in the sun to dry, and it's sterile, like yeah. no smell whatsoever. It just smells like nothing, you know. Yeah, it's the white, yep. white, pure white, white. Yeah. The men are happy. The work is over. The skull now sterile, cold and smooth to touch. He is nude now, where he was naked before. To be naked is to be seen as yourself, as he was in the wild. But now, consigned only to memory, his face gone, he is nude, always on display, yet never. Like a model from a classical painting, his gaze not to be returned. $10,000 can buy a small car or a big bull. The fee paid, the hunters satisfied. The men begin to pack up camp. Tents dismantled, bolts drawn in. A small cement shack remains, rusty sheets on its roof. The rains are coming. It'll all be underwater in two weeks. I'm leaving now. Len takes me aside. His Australia has been only this kill. 
He invites me to South Africa to shoot a lion on his game farm. I don't know what to say. <laughs>